0: It's not it's like basically the retailer the goldfish and it's not like the goldfish have been introduced to the to the ecosystem and are eating up everything it's the goldfish are introduced and now a whole bunch of new predators are coming to eat the goldfish
1: all right everybody good morning and welcome to a special sunday morning edition of speaking greeks uh, this week we're gonna talk to uh, what we want to go by. D Fox, Fox Cat, Fox Tweet. Fox is good. Yeah, just Fox. Fox, just Fox. Yes. Okay, we're talking to Fox this week. This is the uh, first episode of 2023. <laughs> Might be the last episode of 2023. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, this week we're talking to my friend Fox. Um, so I met. I think we had talked before when we first started chatting. We actually were talking in a reply. On a a twitter thread um with a uh with jelly roll and a a popular twitter troll and then um i discovered that you were also hanging out in some mutual discords as me and then we just kind of started chatting from there and discussing strategies and uh yeah it's been really cool so i wanted to share kind of what i've learned from you so far with everybody else and um just kind of get your story so if you want to introduce yourself and go ahead and take it away uh, thank you. That's, uh, I didn't,
0: I didn't remember where exactly we first started communicating, but I believe it was probably weighing in, you know, with our big brain opinions on some big mm-hmm. brain matters on Fintuit, you know, settling the world's issues, right? So that's the great thing, I guess, about FinTwit is you do get a, a forum to share and pick up ideas. And I mean, as much as we want to malign trolls, I've I've genuinely learned a lot from, um, you know, the, the various people I've followed, whether they're professionals and retail traders and I think probably the the community where we we share a lot of mutual uh, communication is is you know the whole David Sun community where a lot of ideas that were probably lambasted were embraced by people in, in a very real way and that was really what I think uh, kept me in the space. So, um, bringing it back a little bit, how how where, where where did my journey start and begin with the markets was was quite a while ago. Um, I might say like over 10, 15 years I've been. I've been engaged in the markets and really taken all forms and shapes i'm sure like many people and only got into options about uh really just before covid about 2019 I, I left my full-time work in bangkok i was working in immunotherapy and i went to do a masters and at the time i decided you know I had, having dabbled in markets for over almost 10 years th- at that point but without really cracking anything significantly um, I picked up a couple books. I books, just sitting on my shelf around 2018-19, including, you know, the famous Ewan Sinclair, um, all that classic stuff. And I didn't really, I didn't really get it at, at first, to be honest. Like it looked, it looked really nice and sounded impressive. And I think around that time, Tasty Books was already around and they were putting out, um, if you look at their 2017-2018 content, it's pretty rough. But the the a lot of the, the the materials there what it really helped me with was how to put almost like a real face to a lot of these concepts I'd read about in the books, uh, in like options theories books, and so it was really when when I got my my first taste of starting to trade options on the short side, well uh, long side first of course like everyone, and then learning a bit more about um, you know what is the volatility risk premium and where stuff is able to be found and can be, um, quote-unquote, harvested or, or looked for in a, in a somewhat regular basis. And I think that really gave me the the evolution in my trading journey where I was sort of, you know, strategy, the strategy looking for price action things and patterns and your your, your classic normie approach to retail trading, which uh, I, I guess does work for some people. Um, but for me, it, it, it never really showed me the type of consistency that I would feel comfortable relying on it. Um, so when, when I discovered the world of really short options uh, was when I started to have a different opinion about, hey, you know what, these are, these are time-based trades. We have an actual metric. We can, we, can, we can put trades on with some type of expectancy of some type of result. Within a time period, and that is what I I felt was the missing element from going from speculating trading to really trading um, as a living. And I don't want to say trading for for an income because I, I really think that phrase is very misleading. When people think of income, you know, you you exchange your time for a payoff. Trading doesn't work like that. You exchange your time, and maybe you don't get paid off. You you have to pay more to get paid off the next time. So. I don't like to use income trading with I think that's a very dirty word in trading income it's It's more like earnings or um you know speculative earnings, which you keep. and so with with selling options, though, there is a time based element, so that's really got me hooked onto getting getting really familiar and and experienced with with all sides of options and so since twenty eighteen to 2019, uh, and of course we had twenty twenty, which was basically like my opinion the um and, and i'd like to hear what you have to say about this as well but i really feel like options trading since 2020 is a new market and almost a lot of the data we look at for, for like back tests or even theoretical understandings of knowledge they're different like if you read stuff that was written pre-2018 <clears throat> it's all like talking about 60 day ball or 90 day or 45 day no one's even looking i <laughs> no one even needs to look that far anymore I mean, 20 days out and you're Warren Buffett already, you know, in the options world today. So I think the markets have changed so much and it, it, whilst on the one hand, it's very difficult for people. It also almost resets the playing field because everyone has to adjust their strategies and their theories to new market conditions, um, which really have changed since the advent of intense volumes coming into, into options. Um, so for me, that's really where my trading journey took a much more serious turn. And um, about 2019, 2020, I started putting more and more of my own savings um, and other earnings into the market and really just trying to figure out a way to do something quite regularly. And I started out with like the, some of the really tasty trade 101 trades. You know, the, the, I don't know, I can't remember how, the really basic stuff. You, you put credit spreads. Um, 30 to 60 days, really basic stuff. And I I had a such a good run, uh, basically on short vol, short vega, without even knowing that I was doing that. I had such a good run, just selling these put credit spreads every week. And I had like a streak of something ridiculous, like 90 winners in a row. And of course, for the, hey, oh, sorry, not 90 winners in a row, but something like 90% of my trades that summer were just winners and it's like well this is so so easy All right I can just do this and I remember reading about Vega and um and I never really felt it until you until you feel it for the first time and uh that's when I had to you know go back like many people and reassess what I what am I really doing what am I really trading and learned about um basically different tenors of options and how to specialize in trading them. And so since 2020, I've really only been focusing on uh, 0D, 1D, 2D, basically 7DTE and under since 2020, almost every week trying to find a way to make um, something pretty reliable and consistent in the in the short-dated tenor of, of trading options. Um, so I basically live in that space now. Uh, for the past two years, I'd say I've... I've since the 0Ds uh, we had five days last year, it's been an even bigger part of my um, daily sort of bread and butter trading. I don't really probably do it in the same way as most of the people uh, who do it. But um, yeah, I think that the daily options volatility and daily options volume has been really allowed me to build something quite, quite um, significant as far as regular time expected earnings. So that's where pretty much I operate now. And that's where uh, I think our mutual circles overlap in Fintwit space, um, selling options, buying options. I mean, I've definitely added a lot more on the buying side in the past one, two years. Uh, I've moved quite a bit away from single style options or, or or even mechanical. I'm much more discretionary now than when I first started out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm in. And today, I'd say I'm probably about 70% short and thirty percent long when the opportunities arrive, um, using some tools and some of the new theories about gamma and peak gamma levels that we can see using positioning tools. So there's um, there's a lot of new stuff that's really exciting in the options world um, that I'm combining with the short stuff, and it's building I think like a new style of combined book for the year that I'm very excited about
1: yeah i think there is definitely a has been a shift in the market and i do think that there's a um i i referenced, i quoted it to somebody as like the rise of the retail trader and it's not so much you know whenever you hear retail and you always get the um the negative connotation of uh every everybody that's trading retail is just a wall street bets ape it doesn't know what they're doing and I disagree completely and i think that um there's a more uh professional i guess professionalism to the retail trader now and we're and people are gen genuinely looking into the mechanics behind it instead of buy. and you still have your people that buy lotto tickets you always will i mean you you can go to uh when power whenever the Powerball is big in america and you you know there'll be lines out the door of people ready to buy a lotto ticket so there always will be that but I do think that there is a more professional sense that comes that has come to the retail space, and that's because of um, the availability of tools. Really, you know, like uh, like you said, there's a lot more discussion around like the v- Vega and Gamma. You know, you got Spot Gamma out there. Um, you have Option Omega for backtesting. You have uh, it's just there's so many more tools available now than there was even last year.
0: So yeah, I think the, it's definitely.
1: Is definitely driven a change in, in uh or uh, um, Open BB, the Open Bloomberg terminal, awesome yeah. asset, and those things weren't available a year ago. And uh, so I do think the landscape is rapidly changing, and this I I think the suits are nervous, and I and I think that alludes to um, the recent excitement around zero DTE. I I don't think any of it's very super accurate. I think what's more accurate would be that it's suits trying to dig a moat and trying to kick us out of the sandbox. I, I completely agree with that. I think, okay,
0: about a couple of things you touched on, like the, the tools that are available now, um, and, and I know people, so in, in my in my life outside of trading, I've been connected with the finance industry for quite a while. And I know a lot of friend, my friends are in, in finance, um, especially having, I've lived in Singapore and Hong Kong for a lot of my adult life. And pretty much most of the people there are connected to finance in one way or another. And um, man, I tell you a lot of these people, they, they don't, after they have their stint they go out and they produce their own tool and they can sell it they can sell it and that's their that's that becomes their business and so so many of the sort of pro trader level tools they they are genuinely available if you know where to look because those people who made them in house for a trading firm they they're not working there anymore and they're making them for I wouldn't say retail but as you said this is a new new style of self directed professional um, non professional trader. And uh, like for me in this space, I really take a lot of um, direction and inspiration from David Sun and um, also Darren Johnson, who really talks a lot about um, the entrepreneurial side of starting a small business, a small trading business and how the tools now really allow us to do things that, you know, I, I, I started out my trading career, trading price action patterns in FX, right? And that was 15 years ago. And I don't know if I had the same tools available now, would I have actually wasted so much time? trying to trade that way um, but we we definitely have a whole new set of tools available to you like you, the ones you pointed out i, I use a uh, vexley positioning tools which i find really helpful for mainly gu- guiding intraday flows based which which can drive like, you know as dealer positioning acts as a reflective reflective force reflexive force sorry on price throughout the day so those intraday flows can be very indicative of where price might um, struggle to break or might be guided towards and, you know, that becomes, it's become a way for me to be much more discretionary in my, in my selling of options at certain price points or certain time points. Whereas before I took a much more, um, you know, blanket fire sort of shotgun style approach, try and spread out my, my, my tenor risk, my expiration risk by, by playing my short vol three theme across four or five different entries that are staggered so that. You know, I, I don't get hit on everything at one time, um, but the tools are definitely allowing more discretion in, in instead of just like staggering entries, but really giving insight to that like that golden question for all short vol traders, which is, is this the time I should not be selling vol? Right, and this has been talked about on many and many volatility traders talk talk about this on their podcasts, and that knowing when to not be in that one trade that's going to really draw you down ten percent for the year. And undo two months of trades, like that's how do you know that? If we could just know that more regularly or more reliably, you know, it's such a valuable tool. So I definitely spend more time trying to answer that question now than before. Whereas before I would just just play the numbers, right, and and really play the 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 law of probabilities playing out. Whereas having an expectancy of a certain thing playing out 71% of the time, do it, trade a one lot, trade it for three, four months until I have a data set, and then I believe the numbers they really do play out on a one lot over
1: four months. Um, but, but now I definitely try to look a bit more into it. So you mentioned you traded Forex 10, 15 years ago. That was one of my questions I was going to ask you was, so prior to finding options, were you what what kind of um, exposure to the market did you have? Was it just like straight equities? Did you Was it just kind of like a buy and hold? Because you said you worked in immunotherapy so did it was it just kind of like buy and hold investments or were you actively trading back then too before you discovered options
0: uh yeah i was actively trading i even i i found a a a prop trader from australia and i flew him to singapore about i found 10 other traders we paid for him to fly to singapore and give us like a three-day workshop in uh in a room and man we went deep we went into all all those things you see on youtube now like the um, I believe they're called smart money concepts. I really feel like gag when I use all these retail trading <laughs> terminologies. Like, I really gag because nothing no one knows anything new. Like Everything in trading is someone has figured out before and said it in a different way. So when people try to brand, it's like, oh, this is my circle, circle, breaker, block pattern. Like, no, it's not. It's just, it's something else. If so, calm down, right? But... Um, i I so get we, it
1: though because i I also think that um, certain phrases have been tainted and like just the fact that I have a discord makes me cringe because I feel like it instantly removes any credibility. So like the next logical question is like oh join the discord and talk to everybody that's like, well, how much does it cost and like that's not the goal but there's 3,000 other discords that are just like this one that all have you know they have subscriptions so like i I, I get it I get it. I feel like certain phrases like you mentioned too about income. Like uh, income implies consistency, but there's ten thousand courses on Gumroad that teach you how to trade for income. So I get it, man. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, that's why it's really good to also have a platform with um, you know you and to, to hear the other people you bring on here because people are really doing it for for re- for a living, and we've somehow navigated in between all the hype, and we've been able to um, discard most of it and stick on to what's what really works and I mean to me the honesty is disappointing when sometimes like real trade like recently you and I were both blocked by someone who claims to be like a, an educator of an uplifter of the poor downtrodden retail trader and we try to explain that sharing these like fear inducing headlines about zero DTE without properly understanding them that doesn't help them. And they're, you know, they're supposed to be fighting for the little guy, but you're putting fear to the little guy by, by further misinforming, just like everyone else is doing. And, you know, oh my God, the, intri- like the, what? the, the move at the end of the day is so much, is so much bigger because of, yeah. like, yes, we know that's how gamma works at the end of the day. Like, no one is surprised by that. Um, but, you know, that's
1: part of the territory, I guess. People need to sell headlines. Yeah. They, and I guess that's the, what, what is the business model? Like I make money trading and I don't, I'm not ashamed to say that. So, yeah. you know, whenever, so if you're selling a newsletter or if you're selling um, spots on Twitter spaces to other people in the finance world, then like, I guess, whatever it's, it's all in there. That's just their business model. Cause they can't you, make you money know that in the market. You have, to pay, you have to pay for those spots on some of these big podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, uh, few understand that those large Twitter spaces are uh, for sale. So, for sure. um, yeah. So we we I could join and yeah for the right check, but regardless, are you uh, are you originally from Singapore? Like, are you from uh, well, there originally? Because I know that's a lot. Of, a lot of traders will emigrate there. They, I think, I think Singapore picks up a lot. I'm not. I mean. Kind of from
0: the, I'm from the region. I'm sort of like from everywhere, kind of. Um, are you? I was gonna
1: say, or are you more of like a digital nomad that just floats?
0: Yeah, kind of a digital nomad from sort of birth, really. And um, but Singapore has been a, a recurring theme, um, and I've I spent some time working there. And, and in I actually worked uh, very briefly at a gold fund in Singapore as a junior, basically trader uh, intern. And uh, it was very interesting for about three months before the thing got shut down for (laughs) miss selling the products on the sales side. Uh, So that was but that's like that's a lot of the financial centers in in like the early 2000s were like just booming and um, lots of stuff was new products were being put together and being sold in all sorts of ways um, above and below board. And uh, so I think there's, there's a really good culture out here. And so I'm in Bangkok now, but between, let's say, Singapore, Hong Kong, Bangkok, your major urban uh, metropolitan centers in Asia, you get a lot of retail traders and a lot of very sophisticated traders who don't, they don't really join what I call the high school musical of, like, um, of, of trading sort of pop culture. Like people aren't interested in um, Fed speakers, for example. I, I couldn't tell you who's bearish and hawkish and what because maybe because we're we're so far removed from the day-to-day discourse of like local politics and things we're really just more focused on the numbers and i think culturally asian traders are more um more conservative by nature not not any less willing to risk because it's a very like chinese people love gambling like asian people love gambling and like mahjong and and all this type of stuff is it's very ingrained um, but I think there's maybe culturally, if I had to characterize like Asian-based traders versus uh, Western, particularly American-based traders, I think American-based traders are all like cowboys. Like they roll rock up to the markets with their cowboy hats and they sling futures. <laughs> and like yeah, uh, you know, here's my here's my formation. They they bet big, they bet heavy, they breathe through their balls and they pull the trigger. Whereas like, I find Asian traders to be much more quantitative. Like okay, we are going to do this in size because we know that X percent it has this path of which will pay us off on these three possibilities so i think culturally there's um it's a very you meet a lot of interesting traders out here um also in thailand you you'll find a lot because the cost of living is so uh competitive here and the quality of life is i would say globally it's probably okay time zone aside which is very difficult because i trade from um 9 30 p.m to 4 a.m and now, after daylight savings, it'll be 8.30 p.m. to 3 a.m. So that's a difficult thing. But aside from that, um, you know, I've got the whole day to myself and I've got the whole day to prepare and, and, and plan and research. So um, you, you just have to sort of fall into a different rhythm. And you find a lot of people here because the cost of living is so so low and so affordable. And, I mean, y- you have a, a bare month. You can still get by on like $3,000. You know what I mean? If you're selling your zero your Ds, you have a really bad month. <clears throat> you just need that one or two good green weeks and you can still you know cover your costs whereas in uh, the
1: west yeah and you guys are primarily trading like the people there trade primarily trade american markets right oh man you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it like people do of course people especially
0: more so outside over here which we're more into gold and um uh, fx but okay i mean the big the biggest game in town is still the u.s market every that's that's the place everyone you know you want to be there
1: well, the 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 reason I ask is because that's super interesting that um, the t- like the the disregard for FOMC days and stuff like that because like yeah every every month or every FOMC meeting the the, the conversation pops up of are we going to trade FOMC today and you're right you're you are literally on the opposite end of the world like twelve hours different. so we're I'm trading nine thirty to four you're trading nine thirty to four it's just different letters at the end and. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's super interesting. Though I, I never considered the, the disconnect from all of the local uh, political di- conversations in America. Um, yeah, it, it, that's really interesting. That uh, lack of news, I guess. Is there any news events that you guys do pay more attention to than others? Well, I think I think we 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 will, we will mark and I, and I can't say I speak for all, all traders, but I can right, say I right, speak, right.
0: personally, like. I used to try to follow the US news cycle. I used to try to stay in touch with it and and be up to date with who's doing earnings calls and all this. And then when I stopped, it just, I realized I, I, that was drawing me down and it was give, making me commit to something I couldn't commit to. And then also it made me, f- allowed me to focus really on the numbers that I wanted to trade. And I think this is where something I really wanted to get across today uh, to anyone who's listening is, uh, is basically, like I, I traded for almost 12 years without knowing what my edge was. And I thought that by listening to more news or by learning or finding out more information, um, that, would, that was my edge. I thought that by knowing what new housing starts meant, I was, you know, oh, wow, I've got edge because I know what this data point means. Great. But how is everyone else participating in the market going to interpret that data point and trade that data point how are you going to trade that data point? So, when I when I started to understand that uh, maybe I didn't need all this stuff because actually, if I ask myself, how does it contribute to my edge? I have no answer, and uh, I think that's that's like legit the number one problem that most almost all retail traders come come to to um, struggle with is that they don't actually know what their edge is and. In, in a sentence, like, could could anyone say what their edge is, why they're trading this exact way, with what expectation of a positive outcome? And, um, you know, when I started asking myself that same question, I realized things like news completely didn't add to my edge. Um, things like intraday price movements of um, arc didn't add to my edge. Or, I mean, I'm just saying that I started to get more selective with the things I put into my brain um, in in an in an effort to try to remove like decision making fatigue and trying to just put less input from my brain to filter through in order to make a very clean executive dysfunction decision of trading so yeah i've i've tried to actively remove everything and it's really been very good
1: yeah and i i think i i think i traveled that same or a similar path where um, it was just consume, consume, learn everything, figure it out. And then I hit a point where I was of like total analysis paralysis where like I just couldn't trade because I was conflicting myself and just overwhelmed and overloaded. And I had to take a step back and really boil everything down to a uh, more just more basic and um basically something I could write down essentially. So like I opened a Google Doc and pretty much wrote a business plan that kind of laid out the mechanics and how everything's gonna operate. So that uh, basically, like you said, if I can't answer that question, then it has no has no place in my tool belt, or at least not yet. Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you, I mean, and I've seen some of
0: <clears> these <throat> really been great to share, share share notes with you and see how other people approach things in a very realistic way. And, you, you if I, I i use the i use the model of david Sun's approach like he found like just one thing and just just blew it up that one thing and that's true true you know the Bruce Lee thing about practice a thousand kicks 10 you know one kick 10000 times um that that really is an a, a great illustration of how we don't need to know the theoretical explanation of chapter seven of Ewan Sinclair's book as to why our strategy is, you know, and we don't need to, we don't need to know that theory to, to, to reply to someone on Fintwin. That doesn't matter. Like that, it might matter if you're managing a book or you need to sell your, 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 your strategy for, to raise AUM, but it doesn't matter to you in this trade if the outcome of one trade isn't going to make or break you. And this is all part of your experimental journey anyway. So, um, like live testing, the value from live testing one lots in a real market, condition is that's priceless i mean it it costs you something but later it becomes priceless from what you learn from it
1: so you like we said before you were 12 hours ahead so as someone that comes from and there's many of us in the whole like hold to expiration camp i think one of the interesting things i found talking to you was that you you are an early closer because of the time so like Can you walk through like what, what's the day in the life if you're trading from 8.30 p.m. to 3 a.m.? What is the day in the life of a full-time trader in Bangkok?
0: Um, okay, and I'll say there's, there's been a bit of a shift uh, recently because I've started to do more automation and things like that. But let's say the theory that the, the model is really to find the highest probability of an expected return between the, in the first two hours of the market. So... Whether that, that means mastering the the ninth, I call it the slice of vol, and it's definitely not uh, open at nine thirty and hold it till the close of the day because I I have the uh, the patience for that, and so my whole approach to it has been um, really figuring out the question: How can I best trade the mispricing of volatility that in the morning session, and that you know based on the the observations that. Uh, volatility is is often heavily mispriced in the first 90 minutes of the day and that there represents enough juice there to 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 shave something regularly whether it's uh, delta neutral or directional based on clues i have from not just the open but the pre-open and so there's a there's a whole checklist i'm looking at from the overnight activity and for me it's not overnight i'm i'm in the afternoon so i'm watching this stuff live on my screens the futures overnights all the uh, you know other other macro stuff overnight that might go into my my take on the opening bias of the market. And really for me, it's almost like the market only opens for three hours. So I approach my whole trading philosophy from: I only have eight thirty a.m. till noon. So what can I do between those hours? Everything else beyond that, I don't like the the the, the three fifty p.m. iron fly thing. That doesn't doesn't apply to me. Um, in that sense of trading the opening day, so that's really where I had to change my my expectations of the of the market. And also, I have to really, when people talk about strategies in, for example, that the, the um, what's the the Facebook group, most of that stuff doesn't really apply to me. Or when I see people talking about their hold to expiration, I just that's not that they're trading a different market for me. So to me, I'm a, I'm participating in a different market from them in a sense, is how I can participate. So, um, yeah, it's really been a focus on the opening hours. And I think I, I, I can observe the opening pricing of SPX after having watched it for two and a half years really very well. I, I think I'm very good at observing those three hours. But in the afternoon, I'm not as
1: good. I'm not, I'm not as comfortable with the price movements in the late day. So how do you, and then you're a full-time trader, so how do you view uh, like paying yourself? Do you have like a process that, you said you mentioned, uh, or you, you have like a checklist, and I'm assuming that's like a physical checklist that you go through, and, uh, and very methodical. So do you have a process like that when it comes to like your earnings and taking pay, or uh, withdrawing capital and living expenses? yeah um, I actually, this is actually, I wanted to ask you about this as well. I was curious
0: how you do it. Uh, you've mentioned this a couple. I think I have heard you talk about this before, but um you know, with, with so I'm not a, again, I'm not a strict zero dTE guy. I, I really don't do the, the whole tranche thing like many people do. i'm a um, first, first of all, zero dTE is only probably thirty percent of my attention now, whereas before it used to be eighty percent of my, my of my trading activity, it's probably only a quarter. It's one of the main trades I do every day. And um, that that's by that's actually driven a lot from this from trying to answer your question, which is the payout cycle. And uh, I, you know, my, my opinion on and on sort of P&L is because this is what r- relates to me the most, which is that I prioritize above everything um, smoothness of P&L. So for me, because trading is, you know, my income and um, I have funds now to trade with, such that I don't feel it's worth the risk of a big upside. The, the, the risk of a, downs, of a big downside is not worth the payout of a big upside versus a smoother PNL curve. So, so to me, my number one priority as a self-directed trader, sole income trader, is not about overall net return. I don't even think about percent return, it's really about smoothness of, of real cash flow on a time, on a periodic basis that I can forecast with some expectancy to be positive on like, let's say a 30 day rolling basis. So that, that goal made me rethink my entire allocation of trade capital to, from let's say, because, you know, zero D can, you can run into these, these crazy sequences of, you know, four losing four or five losing days equals, you know, 18 winning days. Um, If it's, if it's bad, if you get slippage on the, on the exit, right. And so how did I minimize the sequence risk of that? Well, there's there's two ways that you can do that. You can just add more money so that even during drawdowns, you know, you're still net out positive of a signif of a sizable enough to live off. Um but that wasn't an option for me. So the other thing I thought was, what about um smoothing out the the variance of the P and and by adding in slightly, you know, different tenor dated stuff. Um, so as I mentioned, I, I've really spent a lot of time also in the 1D, 2D, 3D, and 7D uh, space. And I, I do a mix of long ball, short vol, different tenors, and the, they're all structured to overlap so that ideally I can get paid every two weeks. So that's um, in the best case would be yeah regular P&L from the combined net performance of these different strategies, which sometimes compete with one another. but you know, because you know the, the nature of volatility. You, it's not a zero sum game. You can actually have both sides representing directional uh, different uh, deltas, both earning you if you if you time them right with the, with the k of the other Greeks. So that's how the pay, the, the 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 question, the, the quest to solve how to get paid regularly, has really influenced my exploration of even like long vol strategies. Because guess what? When your short short vol icy stuff blows up. Long ball is making a lot of money, right? So how do I capture a spread between the both that I can get a bit of that long vault and also still rely on my shortfall stuff regularly? So that's my main puzzle that I'm always working on.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the rabbit hole I'm on my on my way down to is how to not only construct a portfolio that is always winning somehow to where I can consistently withdraw capital, but um like it's trying to smooth out the curve and uh, ma- getting a to a level of predictable cash flow. Are there certain metrics that you use to help predict to, to create that predictable cash flow? For example, like we use a lot of uh, PCR, the uh, premium capture rate. So if we can expect say t- if we expect 20%, we can safely guess that we will get that 20% over a long period. Uh, yeah, I don't, PCR I find is really, um, Well, PCR is tough to apply whenever you have long, long strategies too.
0: Yeah. That's the challenge when you get, when you get combined. Um, okay. I'll be honest. I actually just go by net like dollar amount because Mm -hmm. again, as a, as a retail trader, that's what matters to me. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell my book by showing my percent performance. Um, I just trying to get paid. And so for me, I, I, I look at the day by day performance and even um, I've even gone to like do the back testing with, with Option Omega, which is by the way, shout out to those guys, uh, they have completely changed uh, what's been possible for the retail trader. And I, I highly implore, um, Kirk, I'm definitely going to use your discount code when I renew, but uh, I highly implore people to spend the time to investigate if what they think is edge is really edge. And I think Option Omega makes that possible for the retail trader. So um, that was a big step in my evolution when I could see, oh, man, I need to really change some stuff because if I back test um, over a certain time period, um, things that I observe now, they don't work out. And of course, you get into regime change. Um, so uh, sorry, I'm getting a bit sidetracked. but my point was that by, by back testing, um, I can. I was able to see the not. I not necessarily track the PCR, but the the actual day to day and week by week cash flow. So, um, I tr- I back tested a long time for the, the basically the ensemble that I that I'm running now, and I went into each day's trades and uh, basically saw how the week by week cash flow uh, varied, and I was basically adjusting my strategies and my uh, allocations so that I could have basically green two, three weeks out of four on a weekly basis. And um, the, the combination... Um, okay, I wanted to say like, yeah, this might be considered a like curve fitting. And in, in, in a way it is because I'm looking at the most optimal path. But there's a, there's a way to look at it whereby you can build in a buffer so that if you were to change the data inputs a lot, they still have a positive expectancy, even if you change by as much as like 40, 50 percent. And so that's where you, you know, where, where I have come to with my with my research and back testing it, and then live testing it for you know six months, few 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 quarters of of live trades, uh, and you can see that the data matches. Um so for me the metric I, I, I used to design all that was was just week by week pnl like net pnl uh, after transaction costs after slippage um so i don't even use something as sophisticated as
1: like pcr i'm just net 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 dollars man gotcha yeah so the way that i was doing it to answer your question from before was um I Okay, so I have my trading account, and what I was doing was uh, I was sizing my trades based on a max risk percentage of my account, Mm -hmm. which was fine until, so what happened was though is as I win, my size got bigger, and as I lost, my size went smaller. Well, the issue I ran into was it felt like I was just treading water because I would win, 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 win. And then size would go up and then I take a losing day and it would basically just like kind of reset me because that loss was bigger than the wins prior that got me there to that size level. So and I just felt like I was treading water and then um, I bounce I, I was bouncing the idea off some other people. And uh, basically it made and and I was I stumbled on some Twitter threads from Brian Lee and he talks a lot about pay yourself and freezing risk and different things like that. And I got the idea of um, like really treating trading as a business. So now what I'm doing is uh, prior to this, I I was just basically treating my net like like a high score and just trying to run the number up. And then I have a, um, we have like a savings account at a local bank and we, I hope, (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but no we have a savings account at a local bank and we would just pay ourselves out of that and i would replenish it periodically and then january this past january end of december hit and it was it was a tough couple weeks for zero dt and i was just getting beat and like the the savings account needed replenished my net lick was dropping like crazy so uh, i kind of reshaped how i view it now and so what I do now is I have a baseline net lick and This works well because of all the short data strategies, but by the end of the week. I'm flat And yeah. then every Saturday once everything's settled I go through and I reset that net lick back to that baseline number and withdraw everything else into uh, Into the local bank and I don't know what I'm gonna do with it yet because like I I, I imagine and maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I imagine that my gains are gonna outpace my expenses by a significant amount if if I'm on track for like prior years. So I don't know what I'm gonna do once once that savings account balloons to a size that's like irritating that it's not yeah, you making to money. For you. It. You right, to right, right. And I don't know. Well and like I'm I'm kind of in the air. Do I do I do a boomer buy and hold portfolio and start building that? Do I venture out into like real estate? Do I just size up zero DTE at the end of the year? You know, like that's kind of where I'm bouncing around. But that's how I currently am living off trading.
0: I think I think that's a very similar model to me, which is about, you know, um, right now I'm not at a, I call it like a working capital. It's almost like your business bankroll where you want to have that as a trading capital and then... All, all profits above which you know you're with you're withdrawing to pay yourself, and so for now I'm not yet at that level. Where I've still got a fair bit of growth that I want to do because I think, you know, trading trading a seven figure account is different from trading a six figure account, right? So what you can do, um, so for me for now it's still very much focusing on on growing to having a bigger working capital, um, but it is above a certain size. I mean, even now I pay myself something, so I do take something out, but. Um, you know, I I also I, Brian Lee he done a lot of great stuff on training for a living, and that payment cycle is really important because always you you feel like your your efforts have been really for for nothing, and eventually the net leg high score is going to take a hit because that's what uncertainty is right that, that uncertainty that lets the net lick go up also is going to bring the net leg down sometimes, and if you haven't like uh, mentally rewarded yourself for your efforts, um, it it can get very like you said, treading water, but kind of slowly, slowly sinking. And I, I had that, I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to lambast, um, you know, the, our founding fathers, Tony and Tom, Tommy, Tommy sauce, right? But I really <laughs> had this feeling when I was training those, those straight up methods. That's exactly how I felt. I was treading water every week and I'd be trickling in these little tiny theta gains and then wow like a Vega bomb in your face, shut up, take your gains back and more. All right. Well, I'm only down actually net net. I'm only down a little bit from where I started, but of course all my gains are gone. And and that's where I think that, that, that emotional cycle is really difficult. And if I didn't have, if I hadn't adjusted my approach, I might've, might've burnt out from that. I might've burnt out from, you know, spending so many months just to go nowhere. Um, It's very, it's very, crippling like emotionally mentally so i think you finding a way to to move the needle in the net lick to the point where you can pay yourself on some type of time is really important and if if, if you can't do that i think it's going to make trading for a living almost impossible because that that pursuit of a high score it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything in, in real life
1: yeah and and there is a, and you're right and there is a psychological benefit to it too is then like you know um Even this past week, uh, the week started out great, big wins across the board, and then Thursday and Friday was just a bloodbath. And if I was running the net score, the net lick high score idea, I would just like I would just be salty because I had less money than I did on Wednesday, you know. But. Uh, Like I woke up yesterday, I went through, I checked everything, I did a withdrawal, you know, so like, I still, I still saw the fruits of my labor, although I just got beat down for the last two days. So there is a psychological value to withdrawing and paying yourself for sure.
0: Yeah. And when it's in your account, you feel like, okay, it's safe from the dangers of the, you know, the market. It's not in, in harm's way anymore. Um, So it's important. It's it's really important to figure that cycle out. And I, I think many people yeah, there's so many realities. Like there's so much about trading for a living that's just not sexy. Like it's not I thought when I when I first started, all right, I'm gonna get I got my six monitors, got my standing <laughs> desk, I've got my mechanical keyboard, I've got all the, the toys, right? I've got my fighter's cockpit all set up. Um but that's not the actual grind of trading. Like the grind of trading is like putting on your same strategy every day to play out the the law of probabilities and sitting through it when you know it's gonna just basically punch you in the face until it pays you. And that's zero 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 D, man, you, know, you realize like trading short zero DTE is one of the most emotionally taxing ways of trading. And it's so funny that the entire retail community just accepts it. Like, oh, this is like, this is like, this is a nice way for us <laughs> to all start to learn how to trade. Together. Mate, this is one of the most difficult psychological things to do is to see negative convexity going against you in the first 10 minutes of the day like oh my god i'm never going to recover this the thing i sold for two is going to 12 and i got a 10 lot on i'm right this is this is a very psychological difficult trade to take and then i when i looked into the theory of yeah, what is negative convexity and and really you're, you're you're on the other side of that thing that the apes are chasing and of course they're never they're they're really missing most days but on the days that they hit it yeah you're on the other side of that getting run over and so like that wasn't really understood by me when I started getting into the short vol world again, because what you see in practice and what you read about in theory, it doesn't really connect until you, it, it hurts you or it helps you in, in real life. And so, um, you know, now, like you said, last week, was, that was a difficult week. Um, it's been, it's been a very difficult period for zero DTE short vol because the pricing is horrible. Like there's just, they're pricing in a 35 point move on the SPX when you know we know, You know we're going more than that. And they're just pricing it that way at the open. And experience tells me, okay, you know what? I'm not going to sell these right now. Or I'm going to sell one side where my bias is. Because to sell both sides doesn't pay me for that risk of, of even early day gamma risk is so high. Um, I'm not going to take the trade. And that's something which I wouldn't recommend people who are doing systematic approach to do. Because then you end up sitting out way more trades than you need to take to make your numbers play out. Um, And I can see that in a couple of the rooms, you see a lot of people talking themselves out of trades without really having the experience or the discretion to know why they're talking themselves out of it. But um, after a while, you you know, for for me, I'm with the morning pricing, I'm very sensitive to whether I mean, many days, if if I don't, if I don't take the short vol, I'll take the long, you know, that's what I mean. Like, if I can see that stuff is underpriced early day, I'll try my hand. at some long zero DTE gamma scabs. Um, uh, versus just blindly put on my systematic systematic short. But that comes with, I think, like at least a year or two trading the same thing,
1: yeah. and I think that zero, zero dT specifically is such a new area. Like we're always learning new things. So I gave some comments to a, a larger news publisher about zero dT, and it that was pff, October and i i said to her i was like you need before you publish anything i need you to come back and have another discussion because i've learned so much in the last 5 months and i still feel like i don't know what i don't know and i've been told that feeling never passes from people that have been trading much longer than i have but it's also a lot more difficult to be um, whenever you're trailblazing this bleeding edge area. It's a it's un, it's uncharted territory across the board. There is no tasty live course and criteria for zero DT because each day is different and each day presents potentially presents an unseen scenario. You know we haven't traded zero DT through a bank run before. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and I, and I think that's that's where a lot of the unhealthy debate comes
0: in because people really get hung up on like, oh, this could happen, this could happen. But, you know, we are all like you said, we're, we're in frontier territory. Um, no one's traded this stuff. The option theory that we know, we don't know how does it really apply. We know how it theoretically should apply, but we don't know how it's going to actually play out uh, when it happens. So uh, that's all the more reason why I, I believe like forward live testing is the only way. Um, of course, you need to have back testing to see like there's an edge worth trading for. But then once you've discovered something, you've got to just trade it live. And it has to be with the size that you'll feel the pain or pleasure of the outcome. But it's not going to blow you up when because ultimately you're at the frontier. So, yeah, I think there's there definitely needs to be calculated risk and understanding and accepting that, man, there's so many times people want to come on and, and give me some theoretical explanation why for what I'm doing. I don't and I, I don't debate people on the Internet, especially in the options world. but. They have their theoretical reasons for why what I'm doing is not going to work or why it's going to blow up in my face. And that, that's, that's fine. Um, but I always view it as it's like people who are giving advice about something that they're not actually doing. And that's a psychological crutch to make people make people feel better about themselves or feel superior about the decisions they've made. So I don't really get too involved with that because, like you said, we're trading this all new. Um, we are the, we are the, like the test samples. Like we're the, product, the um, what do you call it? lab rats i guess yeah the,
1: the guinea pigs and yeah and well and the thing is too is like zero dt is only new for the for fintwit like you know all, the communities that we right. know each other from and come from have been trading this for four years now four or five years yeah so this is only was- new to the mainstream.
0: Yeah. And one of the reasons why, especially for me as, as a late night trader that one of the reasons was because the three days expiry, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I was like, hey, if I can crack this thing, I only have to stay up late three days a week. This is my initial appeal <laughs> to the whole thing in 2019 or so, I suppose. I was like, whoa, oh, these things are, I started out with like 60 day and I was like, oh, you know what I really want to, st- what I really want to capture is that final day decay. That's what I want. And then I found out Monday, Wednesday, Friday and yeah, so that exactly like this is not a new trade at all. The, yeah, the so thing, sorry, one last thing is that when you say when the retail has changed um, a lot about trading, I, I totally agree. And I think it's where people get hung up on the wording of that is they think that retail traders are the ones doing making the changes, but it's not it's, it's their inflow, which has attracted more institutional participation in those markets. So it's like, it's not it's like basically the retailer the goldfish and it's not like the goldfish have been introduced to the to the ecosystem and are eating up everything it's the goldfish are introduced and now a whole bunch of new predators are coming to eat the goldfish so that's, that's where the retail traders presence has been important is that we're we're attracting much newer and bigger styles of prey to come and feed on us. So um, yeah, I think we that's, we need to be aware of that. And also, like, we are the target, not the ones doing the killing. So how do we survive in that type of environment?
1: Yeah, it's uh that's a, that's an awesome analogy. And I also think of the uh the one meme uh can't think of his head right now or can't think of his name right now. The guy, he shoots Hannibal Burris and then he's like why would you do that? And, like, I feel like that's kind of, like, how this is all playing out. Like you said, like, the Predators are coming in to eat us. and then But they're pointing at us, like, look at these guys breaking the market. And it, it, it rings a lot like the GameStop meme craze. And it was, like, the, the Redditor's short squeeze is going to break the market, blah, blah, blah. And then you find out that, like, you know, Citadel and everybody's behind the scenes pulling strings. And Robin Hood's removing the buy button and whatever. And it really wasn't retail because we don't have that kind of power but they had the yeah. power of the media on their side where they can paint this picture of, you know, bad guy retail. And I, like I said before, earlier in the episode, was that I really do think that it's a cry for, like they low-key are hoping something breaks so they can cry for regulation and kick us out of the sandbox. Hmm, interesting. That would
0: be, uh, I mean, that, and that's the thing that we have to really, really have to accept that all trading edges can be taken away. even if. I always thought to myself, like, is it worth learning zero DTE? Because what if the edge disappears one day? And the, so there's two answers. That One is that structurally, it will never disappear because volatility, you know, as we all know from theory, is always overpriced, tends to be overpriced uh, in any market regime with, with the most predictive regularity, more than any other type of, of uh, phenomenon. So volatility being overpriced is the most reliable, tradable edge you can you can look for um so structurally that edge appearing every day is not going to disappear um but our accessibility to it might disappear how it's priced in the morning like right now it's 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 very unfairly priced in the first 30 minutes and the expansion is almost def- it's almost certain it's happened like 5 days in a row they're trading they're selling the 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 12 deltas for like 2 220 when normally they should be like 280 or you know almost $3 and then within half an hour, they're trading for 340. And like if you wanted to take that opening trade, you had to sit between the expansion from 220 to 340 to find it's is more normal opening price at like 280. So they can they can play with the pricing models. They don't need to accurately price everything at 930 if people are all piling into the 930 iron condor, which you know I I don't I don't really think people are targeting or <laughs> definitely no one's hunting your stops. But Um, Trades become popular and and when trades become popular, they pick up volume at certain times and that's observable, like that's, don't need to be a a citadel to spot those
1: changes. Yeah, and then, but like, I I think too that like, uh, there's a lot of discussion about um, AI in trading. And I know that Citadel and Citibank Citi and Bank of America like I know that they' dumped a ton of money years ago into AI and financial models and stuff like that and I, so I feel like if that if stop hunting or any of that was a real thing and like I feel like they would have crack that egg already or they were like crack that yeah. nut already because like they've already dumped a ton of money into it and but deeper pockets than any of us have have already yeah. and smarter people than any of us know have already been prying at this for so long so yeah and, just, and to be clear like people will be like well they're not hunt they can't see your stops but they can figure it out and they they and that implies that that's proof that they're stop hunting and it's like At the end of the day, I'm selling like 10,000 of premium per day. Like they don't, 10,000 is such a small drop in the bucket to a billion dollar hedge fund. Yeah. No,
0: they, they, as far as, so I've been able, I've been fortunate to have um, some insight into um, how some, how some, I'd say more boutique funds actually capitalize on retail participation and it's i mean stop hunting stop stops exist and but they're just resting orders in the book they're not it doesn't say this is kirk's stop number two tranche out of three you know buy here it
1: doesn't
0: it's just an order there it could be someone looking to buy a put there It doesn't mean it's kirk looking to buy his thing to to stop out at a 3x his opening price they you know that that's not so clear and if Someone was going to say they can see that, but that would still be a speculation on their part. That would still be a speculation that that order is Kirk's final stop out for the day and not someone taking a new long put at that price. There's no way to know that. And I think that's where stop hunting is, you know, the structural, how markets are, are filled. It's not possible. I mean, it's not It's not as dramatic as we might think someone's stopping, our, hunting ourselves. What Where it does hit the psychology of the retail trader is that... Especially on low volume days, like price algorithms are—they are they're, they're real. HFT programs are real. Algorithmic trading is real. And um, one reason why I'm I'm so against my own discretionary trading of price action is because I know how those trading algorithms are programmed to really play on the psychology of human of human traders to to move price just beyond pain points um, because that pain point. For eighty percent of people, is the same distance, and you know why do things like Fibonacci and all this crap work? Because we all have the same biology and the wiring, and we know that man, if something loses more than a third, sixty-one point eight of its value in a single down move, it looks more likely to be reversing than reverting to its tr- to its uptrend. So that's why the number is so magic, because that's the the. the momentum point, but where our, our, I see something has changed versus something is going to resume. And so the algos, they they know all that and they program that psychology into how they buy and sell price. And so I don't, I actively avoid discretionary trading, especially on the index price action, because I know that I know from someone who told me this is how their programs are, are made, um, that I don't want to be fooled by the psychological like whims of price action. Um, so a- I think AI is much more sorry, sorry, algorithmic trading is much more relevant there and AI is, is definitely Kirk, I, this is maybe we'll have a maybe for the next time we chat because this is something just really new um, and it's really been brought into me by this guy Vexley and he's. We're, we're, we're doing some things where the computer can observe and learn many data points more than we can and then make trading decisions based on that and I think that is really exciting, especially what even retail people can do now with some coding skill, um, which I don't have, so I rely completely on much smarter people than me. I think that's is really bringing in a new frontier. This is this is going to be the new frontier of trading. Like for for me, for me, zero d is old news. Like that's twenty twenty. Like this is already gamma and everything. This is already. It's not so cutting edge anymore and like something else is already very much brewing in the way of AI and like neural net trading. So I think, yeah, keep, keep an eye on this space.
1: So, um, shit, the question I had just totally slipped my mind. All right. So, uh, for like regarding edge or actually real quick, if anybody has any questions in the top, right, there's a chat bubble or like a little chat thing you can type questions in there or if you raise your hand you can jump on and join the conversation um so that's open to anybody uh, uh that wants to ask any questions so um regarding edge what are your thoughts on the whole edge is gone argument because um do you, are you familiar with the like turtle trading experiment from like the 80s of course
0: yeah i mean that was um, yeah. that
1: was actually done in singapore so that's a okay. very that's a very near story yeah go ahead sorry perfect then so there that was a a experiment in edge right can can anybody trade and um if given like a set of rules and the turtle trading strategy the edge wow has shrunk it is still it's still a profitable strategy i believe And, and so like I guess my question is like, what is your view on the whole edge is gone? Like, does edge ever actually disappear or does it ever, or does it just get reduced? And like markets are cyclical. So like the edge is gone today. Does it come back tomorrow? Will turtle trading become like the hot new craze in a couple of years? You know, like what's your, what's your thoughts on edge? Oh man, we could talk
0: about this for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a
1: pain point and it's, it, it, it's like the trigger word in the, in the trading world. I mean, that's really the, that's like above every question. I believe
0: that's the question that all traders lose sleep over. Like, how long before my edge is gone? How long is this thing that's just paid my bills last week? Like, is it going to still pay my bills next week? And man, I used to. Okay, when I first started trading the zero D really heavily on size was like last year, early, early in the year, When especially when they added in the five days, I was yeah, I was all over that and I kept thinking to myself, I was losing sleep, like, man, what if the bear market is over? What if they're going to they're gonna interest rate, whatever is they're going to change? And this is, again, I, I, you, I used to love macro and all that. Right now, I honestly don't even know what is the number that everyone's talking. I really don't know because it it doesn't help me. And I, it used to make me lose sleep overnight thinking like, oh, my God. The target funds rate is dropped by blah, 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 blah. Therefore the chance of the bear market ending has increased. Therefore my edge is more likely to disappear in the coming three months. So I better start scaling down my size or I better scale up in size right now to get as much money from my can as I can from it before the edge disappears. That was like 12 months ago. The edge is still here. I mean, we're still in the bear market and all that panic and loss of sleep over. Is my edge still there? Is it not was only proven to me that it still is there from the market. So like losing sleep over your edge, disappearing, it, it's valid. And I think there's, there's ways that we can, we can track how, how well the strategy performs. But um, to answer your question about does it go away? No, it's, I, I completely believe that within, within, within most edges, of course, there will be some unique styles of edges that appear. Like Wasn't there a Robinhood hack one time where you could, I can't, there was someone printing money on Robinhood by selling calls and there was some
1: something the infinite like that money
0: glitch yeah the infinite money <laughs> glitch. There's, you know there's ARBing edges that will disappear for sure when those structural inefficiencies are are may are ironed out by someone who provides liquidity or something so that stuff can disappear but things like um um strategic edges as far as price movements which is like the total trade it's just a moment it's a it's like a moving average crossover that's the, that's it right and their point was if you you can give anyone the book that the strategy and um and they can make the edge work. And, you know, I totally believe that's to be the case. And a big shout out to Tammy, Tammy Chambers, who did a lot of the research before we had one option. And, you know, before we had a lot of the tools we had now, she was really sharing a lot of the research, which showed that the edge was there and really gave me the confidence that, hey, I I could operate that system. I could find, I could make that edge there. And so then where I've come to now, two and a half, uh, two and two, three years later, is being aware that those edges come and go and rather than dump something entirely this is again why i come back to the ensemble so like the thing we've recently you and i recently started trading something together which is that double dc and i mean that if you think about that that's picking up like one to two days of tenor when the when volatility and vega expands like over one to two day period that trade picks it up and what does that same expansion the same time frame really hurts our zero d short ic right so they already work as a way when the edge on that day is out of short IC, is gone into the long DC. Uh, or some you know, so, so even within, when we construct stuff, we can try and <clears throat> have two edges overlapping, like a Venn diagram, so that the, the like the complementary edge is enough. Um, and because, and they'll shift, like the two circles will shift sort of horizontally back and forth, but as long as that overlapping segment Is enough? Then, like, we're good. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how do you? How would you determine then to if you're like you're pretty disconnected from the day to day? So, uh, so like how or in like macro and stuff. So like how would you determine to roll a strategy out out of the ensemble? Like, do you have any plan for like okay, this strategy is no longer performing or it's underperforming? Or the edge is waning or whatever. How, how do you determine that it's dead and you rotate it out? Yeah, I think there's... I can't really say
0: I have a hard rule for that because so far I've not really rotated anything out more than, say, brought more stuff in. So I definitely lean a lot less on my 0D short stuff. But that's... I wouldn't say it's because it's lost its edge. It's because I want a smoother... Uh, earnings payout right so i might be looking at 3d 5d as well um yeah so i i don't say i want to i can't really say i'm going to dump or add something and it would be hard to say how to observe that the edge is gone until it's really gone which is performance metrics just drop you know by half and um, my, my golden rule of thumb for backtesting stuff is like if I take the theoretical results, cut them in half, does it still make me money? Then yes, okay, I'm interested. If it's not, I'm not interested. Because I, I know the reality of slippage and transaction and emotional slippage and emotional drawdown. Like we can- we will never perform as the back tests pass. So if, we're, if 50% of that performance is good, then I'm still keeping it. But for loss of edge, Uh, You have to, you know, uh, that's only through observed loss of performance. I think beyond a, beyond a degree where it's hard to, hard to justify its position in the book anymore. Gotcha. Uh, Do you, do you have a, do you have, do you adjust your, like do you cycle up or size up or down depending
1: on any, any metrics? No. So the way I handle strategies is like, so I haven't had to abandon a strategy based on its, performance the only time like i i abandon strategies if they are psychologically taxing so like that's kind of why i like the i this is why i'm so married to the zero dte or i like that calendar that we were exploring because it's a debit trade and um it's but I just feel like a uh, longer-term stuff, longer-dated stuff. Like I'm just not part of the club. So, like for example, you know, you see the Silicon Valley Bank blow up, and you, you find out that their CEOs are all paying out their annual rewards, and they're, you know, they're they're all cashing in before everything blew up. They're all sold their stock and whatever. And like I'm clearly not part of that club and that team to have that kind of insight to make those types of decisions or whatever. So. Yeah, so I, I like, I. that's why I'm kind of married to these short-dated zero DTE stuff, because I'm flat at the end of the day. I don't have to worry about any kind of overnight fuckery. You know, like, what happens this weekend with Silicon Valley Bank and the FDIC has no bearing on what I do on Monday, and what I do on Monday has no bearing on what I do on Tuesday. So, uh, for example, um, I know a popular strategy that uh, David Sun runs is, like, the Theta engine, the 9DDT, like, I suffered some book wipes from that. And well, it's just and like, yeah, yeah. And it's just brutal, man. And so it was like, not, I, so I removed it from the plan, but it wasn't anything against the strategy itself. It was more a, a flaw of my sizing and my own mental well being that, you know, uh, actually, we were talking earlier in this week. The I think their the data engine books were like really green and taking profit, and now after Thursday and Friday, they're like close to some stops hitting like overnight almost, and that's taxing. It's brutal, and to watch your net lick just fluctuate like that. So like I would more I would sooner remove a strategy from the trade plan over its psychological tax more than its performance. Dude, that's such a that's
0: I mean that really well said, and I had a very almost exact same experience. I think I think that style of longer dated uh, put writing. I mean, it, it's 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 long dated put writing, right? And your your uh, you have a lot of long dated Vega exposure, which it's not for everyone. And I I think there was probably three or four times when I I, was, I started talking to David very early on. I think right after he went on his um, rise and stars thing, I reached out to him. And uh, he was he was really great, very communicative and shared a lot of his research and, you know, his things he was leaning on. And a lot of that was the Theta Engine to begin with. And I, I did my own explorations into doing that with MES because of span margining. It's like, whoa, man, I can uh, I could sell what you can sell like for like an MES. You can sell a put for I can't remember, now, like a, something really stupid, like six hundred dollars buying power. So I will like, oh, just get 100 of them. You know, something, something levered like that. that. Lever yep. it, like crank it up, right? <laughs> Forget my, uh, you know, the BPR required for selling, for writing spy puts. I got the MES. And then, um, yeah, Ve- I learned that Vega expansion also applies to <laughs> MES. And it's like multiplied because you're only, you're only required to put up the margin for, I don't, I don't remember what the percentages are now because I, I don't do this stuff anymore. But, you know, it's, you're required to put up I think a fifth of the margin or a tenth of the margin, but of course, when Vega expands and volatility expands, the mar- that margin requirement changes. So your net leak just like it disappears. It doesn't. It doesn't show as a loss. It just like wait, I'm missing seven thousand dollars from my account. Nothing's happened. Um, <laughs> what happened? Like they changed the margining requirement from your for your, of your of your book. And I just I, I probably went a little bit too. Uh, levered into that approach and a couple book wipes i was i was lucky to clean my book off before thanksgiving 2020 or was it when was the big 2021 yeah that that was when basically it's just been hell for like any long dated uh put writing since that moment um i was very lucky i was i was going on holiday to mexico i was like all right forget it let me go like esta siesta and close the book down I don't want to look at this uh, in Mexico and man like the next day the, the, the bottom fell out I was like oh boy and um, yeah they had a, they had some tough times um, with that and so like you said lo- I realized man long dated is just not for me I think for a certain type of person especially people who have employment like high paying jobs with good buffer and more cash to come in it works because the it's very hands off but also um they have more capital coming in. Whereas for me, like I think with when, when you're sole income trading, I really prefer a much shorter term, uh, I need feedback today or the latest by this week. I need to know if I'm getting paid. I can't wait 90 days to know if I'm getting paid. Um, I can't watch for 40 days as I get worse and worse and worse the prospects of me getting paid after 60 days. And then you know, that's just psychologically difficult. It, it's the same thing as putting a stop loss on three X of the short IC as of the whole position, like watching it go to insane in the money on one side and then watch it come back to, but still within your 200 or 300% stop loss as of the position as a whole, and then to watch it take profit. So if you, if you ever put on a like a, a short, IC 300% stop loss without doing it per leg. Yeah. That that's the kind of stomach churn that, that the longer data stuff put me through. So yeah, I also drop stuff. For the exact same reason as you. It didn't fit my um personality, my my tastes. Yeah. But otherwise strategically yep. not until it really underperforms, like violently underperforms.
1: Alright. So um so if no one has any other questions, I have one last question for you. So we like to we like to roast FinTwit in the DMs and stuff. So um but if you had to recommend a follow to someone, who would you recommend everybody go to Twitter and follow right now? Ooh, uh, <laughs> uh okay. Um, I, don't know I do I say it really
0: depends on what they're trying. I mean, for me, Fintwit is, is a place where like the, where the bright, brightest and also the, the unwashed all meat, it's like the most icely cantina, right? It's like, you can find anyone there on Fintwit. And so I think in that regard, like it depends on each person's journey. Like for me, there was one point in time when I thought that like, uh, you know, everything that Davidson and Darren John was because it was so relevant to me as I started thinking of trading as, as a retail trader. So if, you know, people starting out their business who know their edge, yeah, you know, I think those are the guys who really show a model of how to turn from retail to pro. Um, but I, I mean, for more on the on the option stuff, really where I learned everything is from uh Vexley, which is the tools I use right now, and uh One Option, which is a community that's more directional trading and really good mentorship in there. So, I mean, I have to give credit to where I learned my
1: stuff from, and those he, people, yeah. I was gonna say, can you give like a uh, little overview of what Vexley is? You uh, mentioned Vexley. it a couple of times here, and I've seen it, I've seen you mention it, I've seen it float around. It looks awesome, the aesthetics, cool, but I've never. Dove into actually what it is. So, you want to give like a ten thousand yeah, foot sure. view, um,
0: really quickly. Like, basically, it's um, you see, you see a couple of these services now, which are basically aimed at understanding gamma, and that's mainly dealer positioning gamma as it reflexive, like as it reflexively acts on the market. And so, Vexly tools are basically uh, the the guy Vexly. He's he's a data scientist, and he's. And this is another thing we talked about before, which is the the quote the caliber of people you can find on 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 fintwit is astounding. If you if you get lucky and you know where to look, you can meet people who the banks would pay anything to have working for them, um, but they don't necessarily want to work there anymore. So you can find these people on Twitter, and um, basically we he's he's written a bunch of models which look at uh, dealer positioning. I would say in a very different way to how you might see it on like spot gamma and um they're all based on the same theories but how you interpret those theories as to like executionable trade ideas i think we do it quite differently and that's why i'm very much um it's very much become a part of how i I make my discretionary decisions about Do I want to just open the put credit spread today or the call credit spread? Or do I want to buy the straddle? Do I want to buy the straddle at 2 PM? Because the the flows have rolled off before noon and now, you know, basically they're supportive of a, of a bigger move in the afternoon and the pricing is cheap. So it gives me those types of insights. Whereas before I, I didn't really have, um, you know, when you, when you look at just price action as a volatility trader, there's very often a disconnect, um, and things happen in the pricing of volatility that doesn't necessarily reflect the price action of the, of the index or the, or the underlying. So I, I found that the, the dealer positioning tools from Wexley from to be very helpful as far as uh, getting more confidence about certain points being relevant more than
1: others based on these uh, positioning tools. And then we have an audience question. It was, as a newbie to options trading, what would you recommend? Zero DTE sounds very complicated for a newbie, or maybe start with David Sun's 90 DTE, or Karen Super Trader, far out the money trades with stops. What is that? I'll, I'll let you, what's that? What's the
0: Karen Super Trader one again? I Refresh me, it's, what does
1: she do? I okay so Karen Supertrader my experience with her has only been about the accounting tricks that she ever pulled off with her investors before she blew up and uh there's arguments over whether uh, people will say that what she did wasn't illegal I think I don't basically though she pulled some accounting tricks and um counted rolling as a credit as like not a loss if I remember right so I would just yeah. write Karen Supertrader out like Ignore Karen <laughs> <her and Supertree. laughs> um There's a lot of, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of shadiness that surrounds her. So, uh, my advice yep. to a newbie from that standpoint is anybody that has any kind of air of weirdness around them, I stay away from. Definitely. But I'll was- let you answer. I'll let you do the, uh, what you would recommend to a newbie, and then I can answer after you. Cool, man. I, I think, um, it's, it's, I I would love
0: to, as a, as a trader who's like been, you know, when you've been through shit, like you act, you genuinely do have an interest to help other people not go through as much shit as you've been through. Um, but it's, it's of course, impossible to know everyone's situation. But I would just say that as, as a newbie, um, please don't start with zero DTE. Like, absolutely. Like this is something that I, I, I would really actively advise people against doing because, um, you should get familiar, you would you would be better off getting familiar with linear price movements. And what I mean by that is like, when price moves one, your your thing also moves one. The, the challenge with zero DTE is price moves one and the thing moves one for, for you. And then the price moves three and then your price moves 10 against you. And that's something which psychologically as a newbie, you're like, holy shit, is this trading? Is this the thing? And that was really difficult, I think, for a new person. So um, I would, I would investigate first of all. For for, for new, the only place I would recommend really new traders to go to is uh, like not even use the tools at Vixy because they're for advanced traders. But um, there's a community called Real Day Trading, uh, which is sprinted off from this uh, community called One Option where I started, and they really talk about been, like getting started, really getting started, because that journey from zero to even intermediate. There's a lot of stuff. And most of us who've been trading for while, we forget how much that knowledge gap is. So I think you really need to start with someone who's committed to like trading new traders, training new traders. And the only place I know that does that for free with professionals involved is the community called Real, Real Day Trading on, on uh, Reddit. Uh, led by this guy called Harris Eldon, who was just interviewed on Chat with Traders. He's a total savant trader, but most importantly, he's really committed to uplifting new traders and bringing them from like the very beginning to somewhere actionable. And that's where I think most veteran traders will struggle. Like that very very first step, we like there's so many things you can do for the very first step. Is that you need to explore what's your right first step. I would advise not the zero DTE and probably not the ninety DT stuff, but somewhere more in middle like the 20 or 30 you can look there uh because those those are durations of trades where you'll get feedback fast you'll get feedback on those trades within a day you know sometimes within a day within two three or five days um but you're not going to be actually in the trade for the whole 20 days so if you want to do that um the last thing i would also say is like maybe options is not the first place to start for most people because they're, they're a derivative and before you even learn how to trade the derivative of price um, it's really important to learn how, how price moves and the psychology of price. So, sorry, I didn't really give you a good answer, but I would say not zero DTE, maybe not 90 DTE, but really start with the basics of like price and what goes into making prices move. Um, and then from there, once you really feel comfortable with that, um, look at options in, in a time frame that really suits your objectives.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with a lot of that. Um, I do get annoyed at – I see a, there's this misconception that zero DTE is set and forget. And people can oh, wake up, throw their no strangle way. on, throw their iron condor on at 930, set their stops, and go about their day. And that's so far from the truth. And like that's it's, when people blow up and lose money. Yeah, it's, it's a re- that's, 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 dude, that's really um... –
0: that's the only time i've ever been compelled to say stuff on that facebook group is like guys come on don't be sending people to this like this is not you know i've really been compelled to sometimes just tell people calm down cool it with the making out zero dte to be stress-free it's absolutely not it's so stressful uh and you have to be you know as a tr- but that's what life as a trader is like that is trading um and like we can accept that and we can we can em- embrace that we don't have to be afraid of it but it's definitely not Yeah, roll out of bed, you know, cereal bowl in hand, bong in the other hand, put it on my straddle and go back. That's not at all (laughs) zero DTE.
1: Yeah. Um, So, and to answer where to start, I'll get roasted for this answer, but I stand by it, is I think the will is a great place to start. And the reason being is because it's probably the lowest risk. And I don't want to say, like, I don't mean go out to Tasty Trade and look at their high IV tickers and find some garbage to will. I mean, like... For example, Ford is currently twelve dollars. so for $1, twelve hundred dollars a hundred shares for twelve hundred dollars you can start selling cash secured puts and covered calls and take assignment on something like Ford it, it, you know Ford's been around since the beginning of America essentially <laughs> and but it, it, it seriousness in seriousness so it, it's been around forever. so I would argue that Ford is a low risk stock to get assigned. And you want so like you'll be able to uh, go and like sell a cash secure put, see how that acts when the mo- whenever Ford tanks or when it goes up, and take assignment and turn around and sell the covered call and get assigned and have them called away and experience the decay of the option, you know. And I think that's the lowest risk way to really get t- dip your toes in the water and get a taste. Yeah, but I also I get I get roasted for that because the will is so capital and blah 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 whatever but i think it's a great entry point for newcomers while there's while they're digesting tasty live or tasty whatever they call themselves now like they have great educational material my grapes with tasty works aside their education and research is top tier and um but it's a dry topic so i think a combination of like like i said willing something where you can actually get get some action and see how things move while you're consuming all the other boring stuff. And then you can start diving into, you know, directional plays and adding some complexities on top, but you'll at least have know what it's like to watch your options contract go negative 500% and <laughs> get a take yeah. assignment on a share on stocks and how you're going to manage that and rolling and all the aspects of everything. Totally.
0: And I, I mean, There was a, just to to add on that, I think there was a, there was a cycle. Remember, I sent you some psychology stuff recently by that guy, um, Ivan, I'm going to say his name wrong, but from Trading Composure. And there was one metaphor he used, which really, oh man, when he said it, I was like, oh, that's exactly what trading the one lot is all about, or trading the wheel is all about. And he said that, why do people struggle so hard to perform something they know has edge? And he said, "It's the, it basically, he made the metaphor that just because we have the map of where to go, we don't really know in our soul, like deep inside us, that that map is accurate and safe to walk that route until we walked one step at a time. So we have this map of an unknown land. Okay, great. Looks like fantastic. I can follow the map. But only when like one step at a time, like one square meter, we walk out the actual map in our in our own reality, we realize that the model that's presented in the map does align with our realistic experience of it and trading is walking the map. like we, we can learn all the theory we can read all the books read all the nattenberg sinclair everything but you have to put those one lots on every day to, to know how does volatility move oh yeah it really does follow the map and you can't size so that after five five occurrences you're out of money yeah you need to size so this thing that you can really see how does the theory play out so um I think with with anything you do, especially like what with, what with your example of the wheel, for, yeah. Of course, I, I I laugh at the wheel. I hate the wheel. I, I laugh at Theta Gang. I, you know, of course, I I I roast that as well. But you're absolutely right. Like you need all traders need to walk the map. They need to do like a hundred shares of something, a single single thing, and collect sixty dollars of premium, like these tiny numbers, just to see the mechanics and that the mechanics do follow the manual. And therefore, I can it can deploy the manual in much bigger size as I move on. So yeah, Wheel is a great, it's a great place as anywhere to start because you experience the, the, the... Basically, you're long and you're short and you're long and you're short. You're, you're rolling in between equities and um, the BP required for short, con- short calls or short puts. It's a very good learning tool. I think even though I would never trade it myself anymore, um, it's a very good place to get started.
1: Awesome. So if there's no other questions from the audience, then I think that's a good place to stop. because, uh, yeah, I, th- I think this has been an awesome conversation, especially around, um, psychological things and like, you know, testing versus forward testing and just everything, just life as a full-time trader. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, man. It was a really, really good session. I
0: thought it was going to be a video, so I got a haircut and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, but it's yeah, it's great to chat with you. I appreciate the um, discussions we have and sharing research. It's really yeah, it's just great to have a community to chat with. So um, if anyone listening is is wants to uh, share research or, or learn more about how I maybe discretionarily trade some things, for sure drop me a DM
1: uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I'll be happy to chit chat. Yeah. So your Twitter is the is uh, Fox Tweet eighty five. That's right. And and then everybody has his username. He hangs out in speaking Greeks. He hangs out in trade busters. Um yep. and I, I think you're in a couple other communities too. So Yeah, I think we overlap in
0: optional Omega uh, speaking yep. Greeks and Trade Busters.
1: Cool. All right, man. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, uh, I'll thanks. be talking to you, I'm sure, tomorrow. So <laughs> Yep,
0: for sure. Let's get some trades set up.
1: Yep. Hey, thanks again. Okay. Thanks, man. Thanks, Kirk. Have a great day.